If you have your Bible with you tonight, open it to Acts chapter 8, because that's what we're going to be looking at, Acts chapter 8. The book of Acts is not really a... There is doctrine in the book, um, and there are some teachings, but it's not really a doctrinal book where we find uh, directives, do this, don't do that. Uh, Those are mostly contained in the epistles. But the book of Acts is a book where um, I have examples of people obeying the directives that I read about elsewhere. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I really like examples. I, they help me, um, whether it's math or w- whatever the subject is. If you can show me, now here's this principle, here's this truth, but here's, here's what it looks like, you know, in, in real life. That helps. And so that's what we have in the book of Acts. And oftentimes there is discussion about what shall we preach. Uh, There are a lot of notions about what we should be spending our time talking about, especially from the pulpit. There are books that are written. There there are people that have ideas about what they ought to hear from the pulpit. And depending on what they hear, they decide where they're going to go to church. I I don't like his preaching. He doesn't talk about what I want to hear. And so they'll go down the road. And, and oftentimes, people have some kind of idea about what expectations are. And if those expectations aren't met, then they go elsewhere. What I'd like for us to do, and I have no problem with people having expectations, but I want our expectations to be trained by the Scriptures. I want them to be reasonable. I want them to be things that God expects. And uh, only that way can we really be fair with each other. So I want us to look at Acts chapter 8, because in this short, uh, well, section that we're going to look at, the Bible tells us what I need to be preaching, or at least, uh, you know, a, a fundamental part of our preaching needs to be this. Have you ever heard anybody say, we need to preach Jesus today? You know, we're too... Uh, and usually there's a follow-up, and what they mean by that is you've been meddling too much. You, you, you're talking about other things. You're, you're talking about current issues. You're talking about morals. You're talking about things that kind of make me uncomfortable, things that kind of call me out on my ethics. And, and uh, you know, let's, let's be done with that. Let's talk about Jesus, because Jesus is the person that we ought to be talking about. And, you know, who can, who can argue with that? Of course we ought to be talking about Jesus. But what does it mean to talk about Jesus? What does it mean to preach Jesus? Acts chapter 8 tells us. And so I want us to look at, and really it tells us twice in this chapter. So I want us to look at that. But before we look at what it, what's the content of our preaching, I, I want you to notice, first of all, who it is that is to preach and, and teach. In Acts chapter 8, look with me in verse 1, beginning. Now Saul was consenting to his death, that is the death of Stephen. In fact, a little bit later, the the Bible talks about not only was Saul consenting to the death of people, but he cast his vote toward their death. And, you know, and again, this is where word studies come into play, that that idea of casting a vote, the word for vote literally is pebble. And that has significance because what they would often do is you'd have a white, you know, like blackball somebody. You'd have a white stone and a black stone. And, and if you threw the black one, that meant 
you're not in favor of whatever. And so what it may have been saying is that Paul not only was was in favor of, yeah, put it to those Christians. They, they deserve that. Yeah, I'm all for them being put to death. Not only in just a general way, but actually in a very real authoritative way. Maybe Paul himself was one of the judges who had a say in the life and death of these men. And he was putting them in prison. He was consenting and even voting on their death. And so here we are, Stephen has just killed, Saul was consenting to his death, and at that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And um, devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging men and women off, committing them to prison. Therefore, there arose, uh, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Do you see that? Who was it that was doing the teaching, the preaching? It was the Christians. It was the people. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. When this persecution arose, they stayed there. They didn't run. But the rest of the Christians, the church, they they scattered. They were getting out of Jerusalem because they knew what that entailed. But as they went, they didn't stay silent. They took the word of God with them. They went, and as they went, they went preaching. We um, don't face that kind of persecution today, but we do face a situation where we're scattered. It's great to assemble here together today on Sunday and we meet together and, and we all have like faith and we have things in common and it's a great time. But usually when we go home and we go back to our neighborhoods and when we go to our offices and our workplaces tomorrow, we're going to be situated with people that don't hold the same faith and life gets a little more difficult. Well, what do we do when we find ourselves in those places? Well, I'm not saying that we, you know, get disruptive and everything, but surely in the course of our lifetime, we can find opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. It wasn't and it never would have worked for just the apostles to be the ones who spoke the truth. Uh, It was the church who spoke the truth. In fact, do you remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 3? He said that the church is the pillar and ground of truth. Not just the apostles, not the preachers, but it's the church that is to lift up and hold up and support the truth, which means that we all have responsibility. We all have to take this message with us as we go about our daily lives. And and to fail to do so, well... I liken it to this. There's a great example in 2 Kings chapter 7 where there were, there were four lepers. They lived on the outside of Jerusalem because they couldn't live in the city because they were lepers. They were, they were ostracized. But at the same time, the Syrian army had come to, to fight and they didn't know what to do. If we go in the city, they'll kill us because we're lepers and they're afraid that we'll infect them. And plus, they don't have any food in there um, because they have been, you know, besieged and there's nothing inside. 
So I guess all we can do is just go to the Syrians, and if they kill us, well, that's all they can do to us. We'll we'll be dead. But if we don't try to get food and help, we're going to die anyway. So they decided, we'll go to the Syrians. And they went to the Syrian encampment, and they walked around, and I can just kind of almost hear, hello, you know, all the tents are there, and they're hot. Anybody home? No one's home. And they walk in and they find everything. They find their food and all this, this supplies. And boy, they just start feasting, you know, just gorging themselves. And one of them stops and says, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. We, we cannot do this. Because, and here's his words. This is a day of good news. We have to go tell it. We can't remain silent. And so they got up and they went to town and they told the the people of God that the Syrians had fled. They couldn't keep that to themselves. And, And I'm just saying that we need to have that kind of mindset. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 20 that when he stopped preaching the word of God that he was frustrated with people. They don't want to hear. They're tired of it. They hold me in derision. They make fun of me. They mock at me. I, I quit. I, I'm not saying another thing. Yeah, you know what? They'll get what they deserve. But he said there was building up within me and bubbling up within me a fire in my bones that I just could not contain. I had to speak. And that ought to be the passion that we have for the word of God. Wherever we may go, take the word of God with you. It was the apostles who stayed in Jerusalem, but they knew that the people of God, no matter where they went, would take the message of Jesus. And one of those men was a man by the name of Philip, a friend of Stephen who had just been stoned. One of those seven disciples that was chosen in Acts chapter 6 to take care of the widows in the congregation there. And Philip, of all places, chose to go down to Samaria. The Jews didn't think a whole lot of, uh, you know, those in that area, but, but he said, I, I'm going. And here's what happens. Look at verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he, listen, he preached Christ to them. Yeah, see, that's what we need to be preaching. Leave people alone. Quit getting so personal. Don't talk about morals and ethics and make people uncomfortable. Don't talk about sin. Talk about Jesus. Preach Christ. Well, I agree. And that's exactly what he took. That's the message that Philip went down into Samaria and he took. He took the message of Jesus. And look at the success that he had. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many were par- who were paralyzed and, and the lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Um, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is a great man of, uh, is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. 
But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And you'll see that Simon himself was baptized. But here's, what's it mean to preach Jesus? Do you just go down and say, uh, Jesus was born of a virgin? Jesus was born in Bethlehem? What's the content of that? We have a divine inspired interpretation of what it means to preach Jesus. And there are three points that he shares with us. I know that what he did is he went down, verse 5, and he preached Christ. But here's the details. What was it about Jesus that he preached? Look at verse 12. They believed Philip as he preached. Now, he was preaching Christ, right? Well, what was it in detail? He preached, number one, the things concerning the kingdom of God. And number two, the name of Jesus Christ. And number three, both men and women were baptized. So let's look at each one of those just for a second. Preaching Jesus means that you preach the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the reign, the rule of God over our lives. It's expressed itself in different ways. There was Old Testament Israel, but today the kingdom of God is expressed in his church and only in his church. If you're not a part of the church, you're not a part of his kingdom today. And and Philip went down and he preached the kingdom of God. What do we need to preach if we preach Jesus? We need to preach about the church. I think we live in a society, or at least our religious culture, that we have all but minimized the church. We've allowed people to grow up and think the church is unimportant. It's all about a relationship with Jesus. It's just this personal... How many times have you heard, we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus? That's okay in as far as it goes. It needs to be a personal relationship with Jesus. But if you think that what that means is that you can have a relationship with Jesus without the church or bypassing or sidestepping the church, that's not possible. The church is part of preaching Christ. And and what do we preach about the church? Well, look, at Ephesians 4, 4 would be a good starting place, especially in our culture. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, and you all. How many churches? How many bodies of Christ? One. Wait, I, I, I thought you had the pick. I mean, I thought you'd go to a town and you could just pick, the, I can go to this church or this church or this church. I heard a guy once say, it's great that we have so many churches, so many denominations in the world today because that lets everybody pick one that they like. Is that what Jesus taught We're supposed to preach Jesus, and preaching Jesus means preaching his church, and preaching his church means there's one. Boy, that sounds narrow, doesn't it? But that's the Bible, that's not me. That's what the inspired Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 4, in verse 4. And so I need to make sure that I'm a part of the body of Christ, that body of saved believers, the one that Jesus built, not the one that men built. We, we need to preach the organization of the church. I had a man come to me one time and he said, how does your church work? He, he was working on our building. And he said, how do you guys do it? And I said, well, we have elders and deacons 
and and the rest of us are saints working in that. And he said, um, each congregation, how, how does that work? And I, well, the elders are over every congregation. They they rule and oversee those that are among them. And he said, well, wow. I guess you can do it that way, but we do it this way. We, we have elders over several churches in a presbytery, and, and they oversee, you know, like maybe 10 or 15 churches, and, and that's so much more efficient. He may think it's more efficient, but it's not what the Bible says. Philippians 1 and verse 1 says that there are elders and deacons and saints in the body of Christ. That's the organization the Lord has for his church. We need to preach that. There's no mention of a a chief bishop over the whole church that resides in Rome. There's no mention of that in the Bible. What we read of is that elders in every city govern the flock that is among them. That's Bible. We need to preach that. That's part of preaching Jesus. Part of preaching Jesus involves the worship of that church. How's the church to worship? In spirit and in truth, John 4 and verse 24. Um, Not doing what we want to do or offering what we want to offer or obliging God to accept anything that we throw his way. He says, I want you to worship, I want you to engage your heart, and I want you to do it according to truth, according to what has been revealed. So that limits us what we can offer to God. We, we're, he's the one that tells us how to do it. We don't tell him what to accept. That's part of preaching the church, uh, the church preaching Jesus, and, and the work that we're to be engaged in. What's the church to do? Well, we're to evangelize. We're to help the poor. We're to build each other up. All three of those things are ways by which we bring glory to God. So if I'm to preach Jesus, what do I need to do? I need to preach the kingdom of God. It's organization, it's, it's uniqueness, it's worship, it's work. But not just the church, but what else did he say? They preached, or Philip preached the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Now, this wasn't an acrostic on Jesus. J stands for, you know, that's not what that means. Preaching the name of Christ is the same thing as preaching the authority of Christ. You know, one time they they called uh, Peter in and said, Hey, what are you doing? Who do you think you are preaching this message about Jesus? In whose name are you preaching? They were wanting to know, by whose authority are you saying these things? You see, when I say, in whose name, I'm saying, who gave you the rights? And so what we have is preaching Jesus means I preach about the church, and I preach about the authority, the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Do all by his authority. Why do we take the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week? Because there's authority to do that. Why do we submerge people in water who confess their faith in Jesus? Because there's authority to do that. Why do we sing songs of praise in our worship? Because there's authority to do that. Why do we not do certain things that other people around us do that are religiously inclined? Because there is no authority to do those things. 
It's not because we want to be different, but it's a matter of authority. Preaching Jesus means I have to preach and do only those things that he authorizes. And then preaching Jesus means what? Well, when they heard about the kingdom of God and they heard about the authority of Jesus Christ, what did they do? They were baptized. So preaching Jesus means also you tell them what to do to respond. You tell them they need to be saved. You tell them how to be saved. How would they have known to have been baptized if being baptized isn't a part of preaching Jesus? Because that's what Philip went and preached. And when he preached Jesus, they wanted to be baptized. Don't let somebody tell you, listen, you talk too much about baptism. What you need to do is preach about Jesus. Well, listen, preaching about Jesus, you can't preach Jesus if you don't tell people what they need to do to be saved. And and that includes the response of baptism. But turn with me also and look just a little bit further in this same chapter because Philip preaches here, has great success. He preaches Christ, which entails from the context, verse 12, he preached the kingdom, the church, he preached the authority of Christ, and he told them what to do to be saved, including baptism. Now he's moved on, and he's been called to go preach to this Ethiopian nobleman who's traveled about 2,000 miles to basically stand in the foyer as a Gentile and listen in on the worship. This man was dedicated, and he was on his way back home. And God called Philip, go catch up with this guy. And Philip ran and caught up with him. And, And had he not done so with urgency, he would have missed him. But he ran and caught up. He overtook the chariot. And when he did, this man was reading scripture. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. And Philip said, do you know know what you're reading? Do you understand it? And he said, well, no. How can I unless someone help me? I, I need some help. And so Philip jumped up in the chariot with him. And look at what it says. Philip opened his mouth, verse 35. And beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. See, there you go again. Preach Jesus. I agree, man. That's exactly what we need to preach. But what is preaching Jesus? It's preaching the kingdom of God, the authority of Christ, and telling them they need to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. So I would figure that preaching Jesus to those in Samaria is pretty much the same message that he would preach to this man going back to Ethiopia. And as they go on their way, they come upon some water. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, well, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? How did he know that he needed to be baptized? Because Philip had been preaching Jesus to him. Well, the answer is obvious, isn't it? Preaching Jesus means you tell people that they need to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And so he was told, well, if you believe, you may. And he said, well, I believe. And so Philip took this man. They came to the water. They went down into the water, and he baptized him, and they both came up out of the water. That tells you something about the nature of the baptism too, doesn't it? It wasn't just a little bit of water on somebody's head or a sprinkling. They went into, they went to, into, and, and up out of the water. And so again, we have the plan of salvation, the response that needs 
to be done. And what was the result of preaching Jesus? Well, in Samaria, people obeyed the gospel. Even Simon the sorcerer. People turned from their sins and they accepted the gift of salvation. This Ethiopian eunuch, what did he do when Philip preached Jesus to him? He saw water, he saw an opportunity, and he jumped at it. He said, well, I want to be baptized. I want that forgiveness. And, and he too was forgiven. And the answer and the, the challenge for us today is to just do what they did. And really, listen, it's this simple. If we do what they did, if we believe what they believed, won't we be what they were? If I believe what they believed, and if I obey what they obeyed, then will I not be what they were? They were Christians. There were no hoops to jump through. They didn't get voted on. They didn't have to sign papers. They obeyed the gospel. They heard Jesus preached, and they responded in faith, and they were saved. That same message is offered to you tonight. Do you believe Jesus? Do you want to hear him preached? Listen, Jesus wants you to be a part of his church and conduct yourself in that church according to what the Bible says about it. Jesus wants you to respect his authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, Matthew 28 and verse 18. So become a member of his church, respect his authority, listen and wait for his lead and his uh, direction, and be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you too can go on your way rejoicing just like the Ethiopian eunuch. If you're here tonight and you need to respond to the preaching of Jesus, if you want the gift of salvation then why don't you respond just as they did, and I promise you, God promises you, that you'll be just what they were, Christians headed for heaven. If you're here tonight and you need to respond, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.